0: This is Beth Bruno and you're listening to The Fierce and Lovely Podcast. In this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you find your own fierce and lovely story. Women, I believe we do that first with ourselves by becoming aware of our own stories so that we can then raise the next generation of young women to know without a shadow of a doubt, they are valued and purposed. This next week, I'm bringing you an episode a day with an expert on young women for a laser focused chat on one issue they face today. All of this is to whet your appetite for more in a new course we've created called Loving Teen Girls in 2020. It's now open at fierceandlovely.org forward slash course. Well, on today's episode, I talk with Tracy Johnson, spiritual counselor specializing in trauma. Tracy gets the art of navigating the unexpected conversation around LGBTQ. Let's get right into our chat. So, Tracy, my daughter was eight years old. She was going into third grade when a friend returned and was a girl. And over the summer had transitioned. The the boy that she knew at the end of second grade was now a girl and the school did not know how to handle it with us. And so it was just kind of word of mouth. And I've got my eight-year-old coming home confused and asking me questions. And I was left alone to have this conversation with her. And I was so not ready and so not prepared in my own understanding or like, I was just so unprepared. And what happened was it just launched me into kind of this way that I've stumbled, I think, upon over the last eight years as she has continued to have friends and friends and friends, this way of being with her in this, this whole conversation. And that's what I I love about, the way you talk about lgbtq and so let's start there with what you think it's really all about as we're engaging with our kids
1: i 8 years old is so young i'm just still thinking wow I, what was that like to have you know your 8 year old come home with that news, certainly not what you expected when you pulled up in front of the school that day. Um, and I think that, that that's that's where most of us find ourselves. I wonder if the generation, I mean, you're actually kind of almost a generation behind me, but I think about my, uh, my daughters that are, you know, 31, 29, it will be different for them. Maybe less of this is not what I expected because conversations around LGBTQ are far more normal than they were when I was um, in my 20s, even in my 30s. So I I think what you described is is so indicative of what tends to happen. And that is we don't even know what the conversation is that we need to have. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask. I think I am not sure what I'm supposed to do as a mom, as a parent. And it just starts to feel very tight inside of us. Um, and so part of uh, part of what I love to do and um, and what I love to help help moms and women do is loosen that loosen that tightness up inside so that things can move around a little bit more and, um, and you can begin to imagine what it would look like to engage in a conversation. So the conversation isn't about theology or doctrine, although if you're raised in an evangelical tradition or, or in, in probably any religious tradition, Oftentimes we think, well, this is the conversation that I need to have with my with my child. We need to talk about theology. We need to talk about doctrine. We need to talk about what the Bible says. And I care deeply about what the Bible says. and And I would tell you, I think my the Bible uh, and the wisdom of God's word informs my decisions and it informs my conversations. So I I have tremendous tremendous respect for God's word. And um, in these spaces, there's a curiosity and a creativity that we need to be willing to bring. That um, doesn't start with, you know, Romans says this.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think that's that's where adults, and, and you're right, it's probably my generation with current, you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds who still feel the weight of our own upbringing, our own youth group, our own sense of black and white, where we just feel arrested. Um, And so you said curious, curious conversations, that feels artistic. And we grew up thinking much more scientific about everything, including our faith. And so that posture of curiosity in conversation feels beautiful and freeing and really difficult to get to.
1: Well, and, and I think you, you just named another thing that is, is true. Like we learn, we learn how to have these conversations. We learn how to, uh, you know, address certain topics. And, and again, we didn't learn, I didn't learn, you didn't learn in youth group, how to have a conversation around sexuality? The the conversations, if there even were any, were mostly: do wear this, don't wear this, don't allow touching here, do allow you know touching here, and um and you know wait until marriage. That those were the conversations around sexuality. So that that's not there's not a lot of creativity in that. There's certainly nobody even brought up the idea that you could be anything other than, uh, straight or heterosexual.
0: And, and still love God.
1: Well, yeah, I, well, and I honestly wasn't even being talked about now. I, and I'm older, so <laughs> it just wasn't, it wasn't a topic. So, you know, I, I was a teenager when, uh, in late teens when the AIDS crisis hit. And it was like, what, what is this? How does that happen? I mean, that was the first time I can remember, um, homosexuality being discussed in church. So it just wasn't even really wasn't even a topic, but, but that is where we learn. And so we didn't learn, we haven't learned, um, we haven't learned what to talk about or how to talk about it. So we need new opportunities where we can start to. have have those curious conversations. Talk about what does it look like. Um, what is a creative conversation? What is what is a um, a helpful way to engage with your kids around issues of sexuality? If it doesn't start and stop with the Bible says this, this, and this, and there's nothing else. There's nothing else beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we all have to, we have to learn how to do that and we'll learn best how to do that probably by experiencing it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what started for me when my eight-year-old brought me into this whole new world. And what I stumbled upon, I think, was what you're describing is that I just, we talked about it and I didn't have answers. And so I didn't pretend to have answers. And that's what we've continued to do. And now that she's 17, our conversation looks a bit more like we're wrestling together. We're trying to to come to some conclusions together because she can. It's age appropriate. But for the last eight or nine years, it's just been that, that dance, that conversation. Um, would you say that that's one of the first postures in a curious conversation, is to not not necessarily come at it full of answers?
1: Yeah. I was just going to say that was very wise of you. That was very wise of you. I think many parents feel pressure to have answers even when we don't have answers. As if, if I don't have the answer to this, I'm a bad parent. And so oftentimes I think that we posture and and try to create sureness that that offers this impression to our kids that we have all the answers. So kudos to you well, and that was accidental. having the answers <laughs> but having the answers you can't be curious if you're driving to a particular point.
0: Mm, yes.
1: Right. So if I'm if I'm afraid to not have the answer, then I'm not going to be able to come with a posture of curiosity. And if I have the answer, then all that's available in the conversation between you and me
0: is you listening to me convincing you of what the answer is. And that's a tight conversation. Yes. And our kids are too smart to to not know that we are driving towards towards something, an agenda or an huh. end conclusion even if we you know come at it from a more creative approach they're too savvy for that
1: <laughs> i i think that that is very true i think sometimes they come wanting answers and i think around issues um around around questions about sexuality what i found that, you know after 30 years of parenting and And I find it to be true still with my thirteen year old and fifteen year old today is that they're not wanting answers from me as much as they're wanting to know that it's okay to have a conversation mm-hmm. with me. yes which i i didn't I didn't know that thirty years ago
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, which leads to the connection that we really want with our teen girls, right. right. Well, Tracy, I'm so excited to hear more of what you have to teach us around this particular issue in our upcoming course, Loving Teen Girls in 2020. Thanks so much for giving us a sneak peek at what that's going to be like.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Beth.
0: Seven pressing topics with seven experts over seven days. Women, you know where to go. www.fierceandlovely.org forward slash course. For just $14, you can learn from some of the, the wisest people. I know I have gathered them together to speak into the issues that I am regularly asked about and don't have answers for. So let's learn together how to love teen girls in 2020. Go to fearsonlovely.org forward slash course. I will see you same time, same place tomorrow.